Welcome back to the Face Your Freedom Show, where we bring you the resources, mindset, and strategies to build a life of freedom. My name is James Weston, and our guest today is Blake Connolly. Blake is an absolute genius when it comes to software development, but even more so, he is an incredible entrepreneur. Blake has built a software development empire over the past four years, serving clients from around the world and making over six figures per month. Now, in the show, Blake and I get into everything from how to get an education in software development, the different coding languages and which ones to focus on, how to get work as a new developer, how to build a team, and overall, Blake shares his secrets that have allowed him to become so successful at 21 years old. If you're interested in coding or you just want to be inspired, this episode is packed with valuable information. So without further ado, let's get into it. Blake, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. So Blake, you and I met back in Miami a few years ago. We were both living in the same building in Brickell. I think you were around 19 at the time. Yeah, that was right. I was, I was probably, probably 19. Yeah. Okay, 18, 19, something around there. And I just remember thinking, damn, this dude is super young to be living in a building that costs like minimum 1500 two grand a month, just to have an apartment there. And then you told me about your software company. And I was like, okay, this is starting to make sense how this guy's able to afford to live here. But I really want to kind of take a step back. And I want to learn more about your upbringing. Because I know from my own experience, that someone who is as motivated as you are, successful as you are at such a young age, you probably had a pretty interesting childhood. So can you kind of go back a little bit and tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up in Oklahoma and how you actually got into software development? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So now Oklahoma isn't really known as one of the big tech hubs or anything like that. So it's not like I was just completely surrounded by tech from the, the day I was born. But... You know, starting from the very beginning, when I was probably seven or eight years old, the only thing that I wanted was a laptop. Um, I still don't really know why I wanted one. It was just one of those things. I was like, this is really cool. We had used them in, in some of our um, classes at schools briefly, and I was just obsessed with it. So so for several years, I tried to get a laptop, did whatever I could, and finally got one um, for my birthday. And that was like the whole changing point of my, my future there just because like, I finally got it. And so a lot of things happened then. Um, one, I started getting into a lot of computer gaming and I played different uh, online games. One of the biggest was, was RuneScape. It's MMORPG, just basically a game where you go on there and build up wealth and uh, you know do different tasks. And, and it, it's, yeah, it's a fun game. It. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So got super into that. I mean, in the summers, it was like, I would, I would get on the computer at like 12 PM. Cause that's when I'd wake up and I wouldn't stop until like midnight until I'm almost like, Hey, yeah. uh, <laughs> so it was like nonstop. And so, you know, growing up that I got into computers really early. So that piqued my interest in technology. Um, and from there it just kind of evolved. So I went from, um, you know, doing minimal gaming, researching different computer technologies like what is actually used to build a computer um how can you make a computer faster um and slowly you know evolve to higher steps so we can talk about in a minute but around that earlier period of my life you know i i I grew up with a fairly middle class family um my mom raised me just me and my brother um 
ever since I was basically born, she, she brought us up and, um, you know, I, I don't really have one of those stories. It's like, oh yeah, I was, I was living in the ghetto and I didn't have any money and I, I slept outside. You know, it's not one of those at all. It's like, <laughs> we, we had a very average life. Um, mm-hmm. so, so very thankful for that. And, um, so, you know, I had, I had a very supportive family of me. And, and as I got into these different periods of my life where I focused on different technologies or pieces of technology, always had somebody there to, um, kind of mentally support me, which I really appreciate. So that's, that's, that was the beginning stages of it. That's when I first ever touched technology. So gotcha. So let me, let me ask you this. Cause you know, back you said you were, how old when you got your first laptop? You said seven, I was I probably seven or eight. Okay. Seven or eight. So that's going back to like early, early two thousands, right? Back then coding like and, and software development, everything like getting an education in that probably wasn't very easy. It wasn't like it is today where you have all these different boot camps online. You can go to college for it. Right. So how did it kind of turn from, oh, I like technology to actually I want to learn about this. I actually want to go into this as a field. Yeah. So coding actually came much later on. It was it was I started programming when I was um, when I had just turned 18. So a couple months while I was 17 and the funny thing is, even when I was like 18 years old and I first got into coding, I didn't even understand coding as a. The, the whole reason I got into it was because I had I had a little um, cryptocurrency project that I was working on, and it required that I needed a, a website for it. So I went out and paid somebody a couple hundred bucks to to build it for me, and that's when it sparked. I was like, wow! I just paid somebody to do this. And even then, it took me probably six to eight months to actually realize, hey, this is a career. And that right there just shows you there's there's not enough talk about this. I mean, really now, like 2020, um, in the next few years, I, I think it's r- really blowing up. I've heard a lot more people talking about you're a software developer. People nowadays know a little bit more than they would four or five years ago just because of how much has shifted. Mm, for sure. For sure. So when, when you got into it and you're like, okay, here, here, I see that this is a possible career path. I saw someone build a website. I could probably do that. Right. What happened? What happened next? Did you start going and getting an education in it? Did you go to college for it? Yeah. So I, this was a really, um, kind of controversial time period for, for, um, you know, me and everybody around me because it was, by the time I'd really gotten into software development, I was I was 18, and that that was my senior year in high school, and for some reason I just I hate the idea of college. Um, I I don't know if it's just the I'm I'm not a super social person, so I don't know if it's just the social aspect of it that I I dislike or what, but um, I just wanted to figure out like is there any way that I can avoid going to college? And <laughs> obviously everybody else around me is like, oh no, you need to go, and so I start getting into coding more and. Uh, senior year of high school, I was like, I got to figure out something really quick because it was October when I really started going at it of my senior year. And I had actually graduated, I was actually on track to graduate high school a semester early. So I was going to be done by December. So that meant I need to figure something out pretty quick or I need to get myself enrolled for college. Um, and so yeah. that's when I was like, okay, let's just, let's just figure out how we can do this thing. And what I started doing was I, I did very basic um, online courses like Code Academy or, or Team Treehouse, um, 
they're like 30 to 60 day courses that are 30 bucks a month or something like that. And they, they teach you the basics. Um, and those were good. Those helped, but I'm more of a hands-on person. So if somebody gives me something, they say, Hey, I need a, uh, maybe an e-commerce website developed with, you know, X, Y, and Z features, then that's something I can go and act on. And so that's what I would do. I actually focused on, you know, the education piece of it for probably 45 days and then immediately jumped into pulling in for pulling in freelance projects. So going out, finding clients, um, some of the projects were ridiculous, man. It was like building a whole custom website for 200 bucks full-time work. So it was not fun at all, but that was, that was the way that I learned so fast and, and, and got it down. I love that, man. So you, you did a little bit of education to kind of get the bear, your bearing straight, and then you just went out into the market and started getting projects and learning as you went, essentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. See, I mean, that, that really aligns with what I like to promote and what I like to teach, which is that we live in a skill-based world today, and it's really about what you can produce, right? What skills you possess and what you can bring to the marketplace. And that's a prime example of that. You didn't go to college, you didn't need to, and here you are running this huge agency without actually going down a traditional career path per se. So I want to, I want to ask you, cause you probably know a lot more about this than I do. If someone wants to get into it right now, if they want to start learning about software development, where are the best places to start outside of a college education career path, right? Are there some really good academies online? Are there places that you suggest to people that want to get started? Yeah, so it, it really depends on on uh, every person's budget. So there's the the low budget, which you can, which is typically going to be about fifteen to fifty dollars a month, and that's doing something like Code Academy um, or Team Treehouse. They're basically just online courses where um, you take it like you would any other any online class. So um, that's your lowest budget, and then above that would be. Um, doing a doing an actual boot camp and with, with some of the coronavirus stuff i'm not sure how that's playing out now that it may be very similar to the um to some of the online classes you can take but i i know several people that have gone through boot camps um even locally here that have gotten jobs within the first year so a lot of these boot camps they're going to cost on the very low end five thousand dollars um on the high end twenty thousand dollars the difference in what you're getting may be, um, you know, what languages they teach you, whether they're very basic website languages or they're very um, complex backend languages that you'd build actual um, systems with. So it really just depends on um, your goal there. But boot camps are really valuable because a majority of the time they will either guarantee that you get a job after the um, after the course, after you take it and you, you pass all of the tests or they um, guarantee some type of you know, X amount of interviews with uh, companies that they're associated with. So companies like Google, Facebook, um, all, all tech companies in New York, LA, big, big tech hubs, they're working with these, um, these, different, the, these different courses, these in-person courses to uh, help with the recruiting because they can validate their skills, they teach them everything. Uh, and, and one of the biggest things that is tough is when you are a beginner, you don't really know whether you're learning the right thing at the right time or not. When you take a course, an actual boot camp, 
they have all that figured out for you. And so it's, it's, it's way easier to learn. So if you have the budget, I would say go the bootcamp route, five to $20,000, depending on your budget. Um, most of them allow you to finance it. If you don't, maybe you're in high school and you just don't have that time. I would say go with the online course with something like code Academy or T team Treehouse. Gotcha. Okay. Now for boot camps, is there any specific ones that you recommend is how, how do you decide between different boot camps? So it really depends on what's actually in your area. Um, that's really gonna be the deciding factor for a lot of people. Like if you're up in New York or in your area in LA, there's 50 different boot camps, and it, it you, you have to narrow it down based on where you want to be um, job wise. So if you want to, you know, let's say you want to be a website developer, then you would you'd go to a different boot camp than somebody who wants to build oil and gas software. But one of the biggest ones. That, that I've seen grow a lot is um, Coding Dojo and DevPoint Studios. Um, DevPoint Studios, I believe, is in California, and Coding Dojo is um, all over the place. So plenty of options. I mean, it, it really all it really takes is just Googling in your area, what boot camps do I have, and um, figuring out which career paths are best. So, um, and, and one of the things you want to watch for, though, is what kind of guarantees do they have? The more guarantees, often the, the better it's going to be, but the, the the more expensive it will be. So if they guarantee you a job, more than likely, it's going to be more expensive than one that doesn't guarantee it because you're you're obviously getting a guarantee out of it. Got it. Wow. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So if someone's thinking about getting into it, they don't quite know what type of, you know, whether they want to start building websites, they want to do oil and gas software, stuff like that, that you mentioned. Mm -hmm you how did you kind of i know that you focus a lot more on the automation side correct that's right yeah okay so how how did you go from you know all all software development and narrowing down into automation and why do you like it so much so that's the great thing about software development for me it took me probably about a year and a half or two years to really figure out where i wanted to be um because what you do is when or when i started out the first job i ever had was working with um, another software agency and the cool thing about that is you may have one project that's a website for three months, and then you have another project that's oil and gas for six months. So you're constantly shifting around to these different projects. So when you're going to look for that first tech job, you may want to find something that's a little bit more dynamic than just a, a pure website company or a per, pure automation company just to get a feeling for things. Um, so, and, and, Using that, whenever you're looking at boot camps, if you don't know that ahead of time, obviously you, you can't, you're making a big financial decision uh, up front and you don't have the time to do that. I would go for something more general. So not a language like uh, Go or uh, Ruby necessarily. So some of these languages are very specific to uh, types of programming, right? So something more generalized would be JavaScript. If a, if a developer learns JavaScript, they can do websites, they can do automation tools, they can do data analysis. That's a language that really covers a broad spectrum of uh, different areas to work in. And at the end of the day, as long as you learn one language, learning all the rest is a piece of cake. Like if we have a project that comes in and say one of our de developers has never done it before, we typically expect they can pick up the language within a week or two. So that's how quick you can transfer between um, different types of programming once you've got a one or two under your belt. Hmm. Okay. So a good first one is Java. What would be another one? 
So, so JavaScript, there's Java and JavaScript. Um, okay. JavaScript would be the best one to start off with. Um, secondary from that, uh, very popular is PHP. So a lot of developers get into that because it's um, very easy to develop websites for it and backend technologies. Um, and you go, you really, you can go a step up from that because PHP is built off of C Sharp. C Sharp is also a very good enterprise level language. So doing some of these um, more more beginner uh, beginner type projects in something like PHP or JavaScript really helps set you up for some of the bigger stuff you're going to run into in your career. Got it. Okay. So it's a little bit like start with the general, start with the ones that are you know everybody kind of knows and and work for everything, and then get more specialized as you get deeper into your career. Yeah, and you, you know you're not gonna. Any any time you you generalize, you're you're always going to get paid less than um, specialists, but you can always become a specialist down the road. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. Cool, man. So let's uh, let's fast forward a little bit into Miami, right? When we met, what was going on with your agency then? Because you know we kind of left off your story when you were just kind of getting started. You were taking on new projects. Um, you were kind of getting your education. Where were you at when we met? And then where are you at right now in terms of your agency? What does a typical day look like? What does your business look like? Tell me about that. Yeah. So when we met, you know, that was like the, that was a huge jump for me. So that was um, something that was, that was definitely a big shift in my life. You know, you come from Tulsa, Oklahoma, where everything's country to a fairly big city with completely different vibes. So um, it, it definitely shook my, my world up a bit and, and took some good adjust, adjustment. So at the point where I met you, um, I don't I don't think I had anybody on my team. I think it was just myself. Um, and I had I'd been working remote for a company in, in Tulsa. So I had that that I was doing a majority of the time and then also just kind of kicking off my agency. So starting to find projects and um, really early on, probably around that time was when I was um, beginning with some outsourcing. So what I would do is I'd get a project, I'd do it myself until I maxed out my time. And then I'd find somebody from, uh, you know, some other developer that could jump in and help develop on the project. And I'd take a, a small profit off of it. And that's when it was like, you know, wow, another, you know, light bulb went off. I was like, wow, if I can, if I can figure out how to get all these projects, get other developers on them, and take a profit off of it. I'm not. That's that's the point where you stop selling your time and you're, you're utilizing. You're buying other people's time, and um, that's when that started to kind of kick off. So that was the beginning of it. And then, so the next kind of break point, I think, was um, about a year from then, or, or probably about six months. So I started doing some different sales courses and. Um, just learning more about business. How do you how do you sell people better? How do you prove the value of your product better? Um, because I had moved to Miami in February, and it took me about until August um, until I really understood how to how to begin scaling my agency. And so I I I had actually taken a couple of uh, Grant Cardone's boot camps. That was that was a big big deal for me. Mm. Um, so took a took a couple of those and. Um, not so much the material that I got from those that was so valuable it was more of the the mindset of um, you know just constantly wanting to push for more in your business and proving your value. So it's really August of 
see, it would have been 2018 where, where I kicked things off. And that was, a, that was the first month that we had really done some good revenue. And I was like, wow, we, we hired our first person, our first developer, um, really felt good about things. And, you know, pretty much every, every two months after that, you know, we hired another guy and it, it just, it just started to grow up from there. So, uh, that. yeah, that was, that was a great break point there. So it got to the point where you learned how to acquire not unlimited customers, but you learned how to acquire enough clients to where it was more than you could possibly handle. And then you learn, okay, now I can scale this thing by bringing other people onto my team. Yeah. I mean, and, and the business model, it's, it's so simple from a high level, you know, you, you, you get a project, you find a developer, you project manage in the middle, you're, you're somewhat brokering the deal, but you're set, you're setting up all these processes around it to make it more valuable and, and more structured for everybody. Right. And you're also putting your reputation on the line and you're also, you know, the one that's going to quality assure, make sure that the end product is what it needs to be so that the customer's happy. Correct. Yeah, man. And that's the, that is so big right there. Putting, putting your reputation on the line. And when, when you're starting out with an agency, that is what I see make or break people every week. You know, I have somebody that I've had guys that I've hired in the past that, um, they're just starting out. They, they don't have a uh, they don't have a digital reputation. They may be really good programmers, but have no reputation. And you know, say they go two weeks and they they ghost me. I mean, that just looks terrible. So you have to be super careful when you bring other people on. Um, you know, if we start a project and we put one developer on it, we we better have two or three other backup developers in case they dip, which is very that happens all the time, man. Mm, I bet you learned that the hard way. Yeah. Yeah, and luckily I was able to um, repair a lot of those early on mistakes. Gotcha, gotcha. Cool, man. Well, I know that I know that your reputation is super important to you. I see that in you know the way that you operate your business and everything like that. Let me ask you this: I kind of relate to you in terms of you know you said earlier that you didn't like the social aspect of college. That's kind of what part of what made you avoid it, right? I would consider myself a little bit of, if I had to choose between introvert, extrovert, I would say I'm a little bit more on the introverted side. Um, I like to call myself an introvert with social skills, which is kind of, which, which I would probably say about you as well. Um, talk to me about how being an introvert, going into isolation, spending that time alone actually produces a really strong result. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, and now, so one of my biggest goals with going to Miami was that I wanted time for myself. Um, I had so many distractions in Tulsa, whether it was, you know, relationships or friends or uh, family, family, whatever it was. Yeah, there was so many things. And so that's one of the big reasons I moved to, to Miami was, let's see if I can disconnect from everything and how productive can I be? Um, and that is what I did for two years. I, I pretty much was, was isolated. I, I, you know, if, if you put me in a room full of business businessmen and uh, women, then I will I can interact and be as social as possible. You know, I'll meet everybody in the room. But you throw me into a situation where I've got to meet people that have nothing related to what I do or business. And it's just a flop flop. You know, you don't mm. just doesn't seem to work. So the isolation part helped me a lot because I didn't have any distractions. I mean, I, I remember. I, I had gotten an off office and um, we work and, you know, pretty much every day from like 9, 10 a.m. until 8, 9 p.m. I I just work and just got stuff done. And it really allowed me to um, figure out the way that I thought a little bit more. So under, understand um, 
you know, how do, well, how do I perform the best and, and some of the ways that you can kind of hack yourself to, to be more, um, performant. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's really that. valuable. I, I think it's so important to actually understand your strengths, understand your weaknesses, understand the things that push you and understand the things that pull you in life. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't know those things, then you're just being beat up all, you know, you don't understand why you're falling down, why you're getting pushed around in life. But when you do know yourself, it's like, okay, cool. Now I can leverage this. Now I can use this to my advantage. Right. So let's transition a little bit into talking about software, technology, stuff like that in terms of the, like the applicable real world. So instead mm -hmm. of actually, instead of actually the career path and the education path and all that, why do you think that software is so important? And do you think it's just getting more and more and more important or what's going on in the industry overall from your perspective? Yeah, I, I think it already is at a very important level. I mean, so many, one of the things I realized when I first started coding was like, I'd, I'd walk around, I remember going to school and I'd walk around and I just, it, it's like you see the whole world just in a completely different way. Um, you look at TVs and, and you see the images on them and you're like, okay, somebody actually programmed the TV to, to you know, work like this. So you, you see everything differently. And that's when I started to realize how valuable it really was. Uh, everything we do in our lives has some type of play into technology, whether it's, uh, you know, receiving a package, whether it's using a computer or going to get food, technology is involved in it some way. Um, and so that's why I just keep seeing it being more valuable. Like we, we have, we have some projects now, like we, we've had two or three different projects where uh, clients have come to us and they say, hey, we've got this uh, stock trading approach and we want to automate it just because we want to check 500 stocks instead of one stock every every day or every hour. Um, mm. And we're, we're able to aggregate aggregate their whole approach and, and do that. So there's so many benefits to it in business uh, that you just can't avoid it. I mean, if, if you want to grow in today's age, you have to incorporate um, technology, which requires coding. 100%. I agree. It's funny because people uh, in, in my real estate business, they often come to me and they're like, tell me about real estate. Teach me about it. I'm like, the truth is we're a data company. Mm -hmm. Like we, we aggregate data of homeowners. We look at different data factors. We crunch those things. We put them on top of each other and then we market. And that's essentially the basis of the company. Real estate is really just the product at the end of the day. Yeah. And so I, I, I can see exactly what you're talking about. I'm sure that's like true in so many different industries, so many different businesses. You mentioned crypto earlier. You said that you had a crypto project going on. I'd love mm -hmm. to hear your thoughts about crypto, not so much as a currency, not so much Bitcoin and all the hype stuff, but more in terms of like cryptography, the actual coding factor of it, you know, internet 3.0 and the differences between what's possible. Are you pretty familiar with that stuff? You know, I'm, I'm a whole lot more familiar with um, the transactional side of it, uh, really more than the, the technology behind it. So don't know if I'd really be the best to provide too much advice on that. Gotcha. Do you do any type of like coding with cryptocurrency? Do you work on any blockchains and stuff like that? Have you had any clients with that? Yeah, we've done some very high level uh, consulting for a couple different firms just to just to talk about how we would how we could potentially implement uh, different solutions for them. But uh, I, I think blockchain technology as a whole is going to bring a lot better security to the industry because I mean, you see every day there's some type of data breach or, you know, credit cards are getting leaked. So I think the actual, um, regardless of, of the specific currency you're talking about, whether it's Bitcoin, Litecoin, whatever, I think the 
transactional security behind it is is really valuable. Um, and I, I think you, we'll continue to see that grow. One of the big things I've noticed is uh, for so long, big banks like Chase um, and, and Wells Fargo, they were, they were against uh, cryptocurrency transactions to their banks. And just recently in the past six months, they've started to allow more of that. So I think over time, we're going to see a, a shift into some of these major financial institutions using blockchain technology to, to transfer our uh, transactions instead of traditional manners of it. Gotcha. Yeah, I agree 100%. So what's the outlook, man? You know, I mean, you're, you're running this agency, you're doing really, really well. What's next? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I think for a, a lot of agency owners, um, plenty of that I have talked to, they've all gone to the same point where first couple of years are grind mode all the time. You know, I look at myself a year ago and I was working five times as hard and making, you know, five times less than I was now. You just become more efficient and you understand how to do it the right way. So the first couple of years are really the heavy lifting stage. And, and after that, it's um, agencies are really a long-term play. Unless you have big investors, they're, they're a long-term play. Um, so, hmm. you know, it's not like it's, we're, we're limited by, you know, who we can reach. Um, and unless you've got, you know, 100, 200K a month to spend on marketing and advertising, and you've got investors that can connect you to the big guys, it's a, it's fairly slow growth, but it's, it's good. I mean, you can, for, for one or two people running a company, you can make some pretty good money um, doing it. So, my outlook on the future is continue to run the agency. Um, that's a, a great source of, of income and it's it's really enjoyable for me. I love working with clients and getting all types of different projects and challenges. At the same time, what you'll notice with agency owners is they get the process set up and then they start finding ways. Um, they start listening to their customers and seeing where they have or taking their previous experience and, and learning from it. So a lot of the times you'll see them building um, different SaaS products that um, software as a service products that they can uh, go out and sell that creates recurring revenue. So that's kind of the goal for me is continue building the agency, but also start looking for more opportunities where we can build some type of um, recurring revenue streams. Gotcha. Okay. And so would that be you coming out with your own SaaS product that, you know, fits some kind of need that you see in the market? Or would that be a client coming to you and then you guys building it and taking some equity or you kind of open to anything? Yeah. So more, more than likely us coming out with one of our own, um, you know, occasionally we, we've had several times where we've, we've built something for a client and we say, Hey, we want to buy part of this or we want to go in, you know, half and half or something. So it really just depends on situation, but yeah, either way. Got it. Got it. Cool, man. So someone that is listening to this podcast right now has been thinking about software development, has been either getting started, hasn't even got started, but now they have some direction on where to start because they've heard what you've said. Um, what are just some overall big tips that you wish that you knew you know, back when you were 17, 18, 19, getting started in this industry? Is there any like big overarching things that you would tell someone to watch out for or to make sure that they do? Yeah, so step one, starting from the beginning, um, just don't, so many people, it, it's imposter syndrome, right? So, so many people, they start to learn to, to code, but they don't think they're good enough to call themselves a coder. Um, I did that myself for like 
a year and I was like, I'm not a programmer or a developer. I had this weird thing like I I wouldn't call myself a software developer because I didn't feel like I was experienced enough for that. Um, but really, in reality, you got to you got to kind of knock that out of your mind. Um, as soon as you start coding, you're a programmer um, and you got to remove some of those mental blocks. So that's one. Two is when you start, most likely you're going to start freelancing to build up a, uh, a portfolio because when you go to apply for a job, it looks much better if you have a portfolio of applications or websites that you've built rather than just a, a, a resume with a bunch of tests you took or a degree you got or something like that. Um, and when, when I got my first job, that's, I, I came to, I came with a, um, uh, a resume obviously, but all the items on my resume were portfolio items. So as you're starting out, build up that portfolio so that when you do go to get an actual, um, you know, like a full-time position at a company that you can, you can show some of your work there. Um, so th- those gotcha. are two tips right there that I would, I would give. Yeah. Can I, can I dig in on the second one in terms of building your portfolio? Because mm-hmm. a lot of people are like, well, you're telling me that I need a portfolio in order to get a job or I, you, I need a portfolio in order to get portfolio jobs, right? To build my portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people get caught up there. Like I don't have enough experience to actually acquire jobs to build my portfolio. Do you have any tips for just, you know, is it start doing some free work? Is it start offering some really cheap work or, you know what I'm saying? Like, how do you build that portfolio when you're really starting out? Yeah, so it, it can be a little bit of both. Um, when I started out, I mean, I didn't know any better. I, at the time, you know, I was 18 and I was like, man, if I can build a website for 200 bucks, back then, take into account, there was there was no concept in my head of, am I doing this profitably? Um, I could much easier go work a minimum wage job and make more at that time. But um, the way you have to look at it is, if, if I do, a, you know, some really, really cheap jobs or maybe free jobs, um, that will it's not only only building up your your reputation with that that person or that client but it's building up your skill which has a lot of value to it so i would say start out with doing something cheap um freelancer.com is a great place to start for that uh and and that's something i want to mention there's freelancer.com and upwork.com very similar sites but they need to be used for very different phases of your career freelancer.com really should only be used when you're starting out. You're going to compete with 50, 60 other people for the same job. It's extremely competitive and, and 90% of the, um, the developers on there are from India and they can, they can go at like four or five bucks an hour. So it's good to start on there because your reputation doesn't really matter as much. Um, still important to care about it, but it's not something that's going to follow you throughout your career. Um, very, very lenient people on there. So that's where I would start doing some of those cheaper jobs. Then once you get more uh, credible and you have a portfolio, move to something like Upwork and, and start taking on some bigger contracts. Head over to Upwork after that. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool, man. Dude, I feel like uh, I feel like you just blessed us with a wealth of freaking knowledge. Um, the truth is one of the biggest things when you're getting started in a career path I think is clarity because we live in like a world today and we're talking about technology, we're talking about coding, but we live in an information age now where it's just like, there are so many options. There are so many different paths and just having someone like you who has gone down the path very recently, had success in it and is able to say, Hey, 
don't go that way, go this way. Hey, don't think about that stuff. Focus on this stuff is so, so freaking valuable, man. So I just want to thank you for literally all the information that you've shared with us today. I'm wondering if there's anything that we didn't cover or any type of message that you want to give to the audience, either personal about software development or anything like that, that's on your mind that we didn't cover. Yeah. So one of the things is um, a lot of people lack clarity in the the stages of a, of kind of a developer's career because there's really three P three areas you could go in. There's um, a freelance developer working for a corporation or company and then running an agency and there's benefits and there's pros and cons to all of those. So working freelance, um, the downside is you don't have reliable income. You, you don't know if the contract is going to get canceled like Great example of this is, is um, this this past year with coronavirus. I mean, it was it was a matter of 24 hours when we got contracts canceled. I mean, we we even had clauses in there that said they had to give us 14 days notice, and you better believe nobody listened to those. Mm. <laughs> um, so that's the downside of doing you know freelancing and agency agency is you don't really have um, a whole lot of clarity yeah. on whether you'll you'll be paid every month. So, but the upside is. If you can keep a pipeline full, you can get paid, you know, four or five times what you get paid um, in a company. So you just kind of have to figure out what risk tolerance do you have? Um, what are your goals? And a, a big thing is when you start out developing, be be as debt free as you can, have live very minimally, and um, build yourself up so that you know you you can survive if you want to if you want to go out and freelance and you know, work from another country for six months that you, you can go do that and not have to worry about jobs and stuff. So uh, that's just one one thing I wanted to throw in there just about the different ways you could develop. Yeah, man, that's super, super important. Awesome, brother. Well, let me ask you this. If someone wants to learn more about your agency, best place would be your website, I'm guessing, modsy.com. Yeah, definitely my website. Um, I like to interact with people personally quite a bit as well. Um, so Instagram is a great way. I, I love answering questions. So whether it's related to finance with, with software or getting a job or tips or anything like that, they can always shoot me a DM on Instagram. I'm happy to answer that as well. Awesome. Yeah, you've got, a, you've got an awesome uh, Instagram name too, man. I don't know how you, how you lock this down. But uh, <laughs> you, if you want to share that with everybody, go for it. Yeah, yeah. So that, uh, you know, thankfully that was. I'm I'm glad I was in uh, technology super early on. I think I got that when I was like 15 or 16. But I had several before that as well. So the very first one I got was uh, Maze M A Z E, and huh. I, I I had purchased that for like 150 bucks. I just liked it. It was simple. It was clean. Um, used it for a bit, and then had a fitness company reach out to me and they said, Hey, we want to. I want to purchase this from you and like, we'll give you 900 bucks. Sure enough, they sent me a wire transfer for 900 bucks and I made like, I don't know what the math is, only $750 or something. So <laughs> when I was 16, I was like, holy shit, this is, I just made 600 bucks off of doing nothing. Um, Flipping Instagrams. Okay. Yeah. And, and it's crazy because I know some guys um, that do that to this day and that they're selling names for five, 10K on some of them. Um, it's, so it's internet real estate, bro. It's what it no is. joke. And, and people are, people are realizing it. Um, so after, after maze, I had gotten B, which was just B E. Uh, that was super simple name. And fortunately I paid for it and it got hacked. So 
the same day. Uh, Oof. Yeah, so that was a that was a loss. But then Easy came yeah. along and I bought that one. So it was it was fun. Gotcha. So people people can reach you now. Your current your current Instagram, which you're you're pretty freaking active on it, man. I, I see you doing stories every day, answering questions, stuff like that. Is at e a z y right? Easy. That's right. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. So if anyone wants to reach out, if anyone wants to just follow him, learn more about Blake modsi.com m-o-d-s-i.com or instagram is at e-a-z-y correct that's it man dope brother all right man hey thank you so much for being on the show man like i said i i feel like this was an incredible wealth of knowledge in such a short amount of time which i'm super super excited about to share with the audience and everyone listening so hey man thank you again and uh we'll talk soon all right sounds good thank you james all right 